All right, uh, what we're going to do is we're gonna, I'm going to read the first 11 verses of Philippians 3. That's where we are in our series in Philippians. And um, there's this little thing I say at the end. We've done this before. Sometimes we've done it well. Sometimes we haven't. But I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. And then your job is to say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Okay? So here it is from Philippians 3. Um, Paul is writing this from the slammer. He's in, he's in prison, in a Roman prison, and he's most likely writing this while his other uh, either leg or arm is chained to an imperial or uh, palace guard. Okay, he's, he's that high value of a prisoner. So he, he writes this in Philippians 3, uh, and he's wrapping things up. Uh, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. That was decent. Not good, decent. But you have a righteousness that does not come from the law. Um, Christianity uh, uh, has some hard edges to it. Um, There are portions of Christianity, and I will acknowledge if you've been around Christians, it, it has some offensiveness to it. Uh, and, and I don't mean that like um, shock jock offensiveness. Like we're just trying to, we're trying to, you know, get the ratings by crazy stuff we'll say. I don't mean it like that. Uh, and I don't mean like gratuitous graphic imagery, though I will say this is we have the cross for our main symbol. And that's pretty graphic if you get into it. Um, so there's, there's that. Um, but I, I, I think often, I think it's Christianity, what we hold to and the sensibilities that we have, I actually think it's pretty offensive to, to a modern, sophisticated, educated culture. I think it's actually pretty offensive. And, and it's not like Christianity offends how we think maybe life should work, though it does that. I actually think Christianity offends everybody's sensibilities about how we think God should do his job. I think that's where Christianity begins to be pretty offensive. 
Let me give an example um, or, or a few examples. Like one of, the, one of the tenets of Christianity is this, is that um, you can find forgiveness for anything. Anything. Like anything. Okay? You can find forgiveness for it. So, but, but our culture does have a group of unforgivable people. So if we start really macro, there, there's, there's historical uh, like characters Right, that we'd say, well, I don't know if they're forgiveness candidates. Like you go Hitler or Heinrich Himmler, right? Um, you go Pol Pot, you go Stalin, you go Idi Amin, you go Leopold II. You, some of you, if you've done any history, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Melissa knows this. I have watched literally dozens of Holocaust documentaries and read probably way too many books. And like, if you absorb, like, whoa. This stuff happened against humanity, and we're going to pin it on someone. Do, can, I say, can I say to you, like, you know what? Like, Hitler is a candidate for the forgiveness of God. I think a lot of people in a modern culture will be like, well, let's kind of step away from that. Like, that's a little crazy. Um, if you know the hierarchy, a little, little closer home, like, if you know the hierarchy of prison ethics... So Paul's writing this from prison. There's an ethic in prison. Like if you know this, if you've, if you've just watched pop culture stuff, this, uh, you know this, is that there is a stratification and a hierarchy of unforgivable things in prison. Like you can forgive a murderer quicker in prison than if you're over here and you've done anything to children. Like, and if you ask people, you're like, well, is this guy over here who's done horrible, despicable things to children, is he a candidate for the forgiveness of God? Can he be forgiven? And like anybody, any preacher, any studier of the word of God who's worth his salt will say, guess what? He is a candidate for the forgiveness of God. Now that is pretty offensive. That's pretty offensive. All they have to do is say, Jesus, I want your forgiveness, and in faith I believe that you will forgive me and transform me. What? That's offensive. Uh, I, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a kid that was in my, um, um, one of my youth groups, and you can tell that I did a great job with him because um, he's, he's just turned into a serial, not killer, uh, a serial, a booster of cars. He lives GTA, like, but IRL, okay? And, and every, and he hasn't been good at it. Like, every single time he's gotten caught like over a dozen cars, right? And like, he'll do it, he gets incarcerated, he comes out, um, maybe not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but like he's a good dude and he's pretty thoughtful, but like you bring up that kid to other kids that were in that youth group and they have families now and they're growing up, they're just like, that guy's a dog. What a, a worthless, like that guy's trash. That guy is trash. Now, I agree, he shouldn't be boosting cars, but trash, dog, um, he's going to live, in his trajectory, he's going to live a lifetime in and out of prison. Does he have forgiveness available to him? Okay, the Christianity's good news offers beautiful good news and forgiveness to the most despicable, horrible things. That is an offensive part of Christianity. You're like, whoa, I don't know about that. Okay. Um, uh, this is not that sermon. So I gave you like, what? He's talking about despicable things? Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. 
So could you just take it in your mind and just push it away? Say, yeah, that's pretty offensive. I don't want to talk. Nope, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Uh, I, I, I want to... I want to talk to you about something that's probably more offensive to you. Um, I, I think it's, this is actually more offensive to wonderful, bright, progressive, highly educated, conscientious, neighborly, just nice people to be around. Like, what I'm about to say to you is more offensive. Uh, here it is. Your niceness, your thoughtfulness, your devoutness in showing up, doing your work, doing the best, following the rules, following the guidelines, just following the syllabus, doing your thing right, being conscientious, you know, being respectful of the people around you and, you know, saying generally nice things. Um, Doing your best doesn't get you anywhere with God the Father and God of the universe. This is going to start to offend you a little bit more. It doesn't get you paybacks. Like, he doesn't owe you anything. It doesn't get you any perks. Like, in the whole spiritual kingdom of God, it doesn't get you any perks. Like, it doesn't get his approval. It doesn't get you extra forgiveness. It doesn't get you eternal amenities. Who likes amenities? I love amenities. Us at our awesome do not get us the amenities of God. Hmm. That's offensive. So, yes, being despicable filth, finding forgiveness is offensive, but we're not going to talk about that. This is the offensive part I want to talk to you about, is that your best stuff is not God good. And that's pretty offensive. And I'm 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 going to shoot you straight, but I'm going to shoot you straight from Philippians 3. This is going to be Paul here. So, let's go to Paul's prison letter. (laughs) <laughs> and he, this is how he opens, by the way. This is fun. Um, watch out. Watch out for the dogs. What? Paul, pl- slow down. Slow down, Paul. Watch out for the evildoers out there. Well, 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 pray tell, Paul, who are these dogs and who are these evildoers? Like, tell me. And he goes, oh, they're the ones that circumcise themselves. What? Paul, you're circumcised. Like, He's like, watch out for these dogs and evildoers who mutilate the flesh. And you're like, well, slow down, Paul. Slow your roll, pal. Um, Let's, why are you going off on people? This is what he's saying. He's saying, I am doing this external act so that the God of the universe smiles upon my life and says, you're doing it right, pal. Here's a cookie and a pat on the back. And I'll bless your stocks too. This is what he's saying. You got to watch out for people who think being good will get God to do them good. All right? Thank you for your affirmation. I love it. You're just going to fire me up. You better, you're, you're playing a dangerous game. You're a very dangerous game. What's the contrast? Here's the contrast that Paul is putting up. He's saying, hey, look, um, I put all of my weight and all of my trust on being pious, devout, careful, conscientious, nice, meticulous, ruleful. I put all of my weight there in this basket, or what I'm going to do is I'm going to put, this is the contrast he's setting, is I'm going to put all of my weight on Christ as my performance. Like, I'm going to put all my weight there. This is what he's setting up. 
And then he gives us a case study. <laughs> and, and Darren alluded to it. He gives us a case study. And you gotta, you gotta be pretty bold to, oh yeah, I'd like to have myself as a case study <laughs> of, of I'm gonna tell you what super awesome looks like. And then Paul describes himself. And he, because this is his point, he's saying, look, you think you're a big deal being religious? I'm gonna show you how I'm better at being religious than you are. I'm gonna show you. And he goes, guess what? I was circumcised on the eighth day. Yeah, what that means is this, is I started out in the people of God. I wasn't like a Gentile who came in and said, hey, I believe in the Jesus thing now. Hey, I'm up for the circumcision, which, you know, if you're in your 20s or 30s, whoa, um, not cool. But he says, look, from the very beginning, from the very beginning of the program, from the very beginning of the program, as a baby who didn't know anything, I am under, and the, the, the oper not the operation, um, the works of God are being pressed on my life, even with me unknowing. That's what he means by, uh, like, I was circumcised the eighth day. Then he says this, I was part of the people of God. Now, that's a big deal, because all throughout the Old Testament, God has said this, um, my people are going to be a priesthood to the world. So he's not anti-world, he's just saying, my people are going to be set aside as this little unit that brings life and flourishing to the world. And so, and so Paul's telling you and he's telling me, he's just like, guess what? God selected me and set me apart and I'm already part of the people of God that are gonna bring blessing and flourishing to the world. So started as a baby, I'm gonna bring flourishing to the world. Then he says this, uh, I don't wanna make a big deal about this, but I'm tribe of Benjamin. Now all, all the people, all the Americans are like, yeah, that's great. Um, what does he mean by that? Well, it's like, hey, look, um, Brian, you've been selected to go to Hogwarts, okay? And the sorting hat puts you in Gryffindor. <laughs> Not Hufflepuff. Huh, am I right? <laughs> if, if there are any Hufflepuffians out there, I'm, I apologize. But you kind of know it's second place, right? Okay, the claws are like going to come out. Okay, is this landing? No more Harry Potter. Okay. But this is what he's saying. This is what happens in, in uh, the Jewish world is um, the tribe of Benjamin was the kingly tribe. That's why his name is named Saul, right? The missionary formerly known as Saul, um, because uh, the kingship would flow from Benjamin. And so he's saying, look, your other tribes are really cute, but I'm even tribe, like, I'm kind of top of the pyramid. Like, he's not, he's, this is the gall on that guy, right? So this is what he's saying. So I, I'm, I started as a baby. I'm part of the people of God. I'm part of the right tribe. Um, and, uh, and, then he, and then he says this. Um, okay, uh, might I remind you, I'm a Pharisee. Now, look, if you guys grew up in the church, you think Pharisee is a dirty word, and you're like, I, you already know that you're like, oh, Pharisee is a bad thing. Look, Pharisees, I would much rather have a Pharisee for a neighbor than a hellraiser. Like, like uh, Pharisees, like, mind their business. They're super polite. They mow their grass. Uh, they'll mow my grass. Like, like a Pharisee, like, you want a Pharisee in your community. Okay, this is a positive thing. Why? Because Pharisees... They pay attention to the rules. How, how many times have you taken your kids somewhere? Like you go to a community pool or you go to a community playground and there are clearly posted rules. 
and you're staring at the rules and you're like, I'm going to make Junior or Little Miss wonderful abide, right? And then what, what, gets, what gets you, what gets at your craw, right? When all these little brats are not abiding by the posted limits. And you're like, come on, play by the rules. A community plays by the rules. All right, this is what a Pharisee said. Um, so if the speed limit is 30 miles an hour, a Pharisee goes, I appreciate your wonderful rule, 30 miles an hour, especially through school zones, it's very safe. But you know what? I'm going to go 25 miles an hour. I know the state hasn't told me. I know the state hasn't told me, but I'm going to only go 25 miles per hour. I'm going I'm to be better than the posted law. I'm going to be safer than the safety limits uh, proposed by the state. That's what a Pharisee does. They're going to be extra careful. So, so they would have these things. Um, um, you have, uh, in, in all these commentaries on the Torah, you have all these wonderful rabbis throughout centuries, and this is like from modernity to antiquity, is um, they weigh in on some of the laws in Exodus. So uh, Exodus 16, for example, there's this law, it says, um, like it's limiting your steps on, the, on, on Shabbos, on the sh- Sabbath. Like they're saying, the point is, look, we want you to chill on the Sabbath and not work. Like the point is for your good, right? But they have, to, they, have to have, they have to quantify that. Well, I need to go pick up some milk. I need to walk over to the wall and flip on the light. I need to, I need to do some walking on Shabbos, right? So all throughout these, uh, these rabbis, these commentaries on the Torah, they, they define how many steps can you take on, on, on Shabbos. So um, um, this is what's, what's, whatever the rabbis come up with, and in, in, from Exodus 16, 19, it's a thousand, is it a thousand cubits? And it's like 1.2 kilometers? I know, I just used metric on you. Blowing your mind. Just stay with me. Okay, let's say it's 1.2 kilometers on the Shabbos. Well, a Pharisee would be like, that's great, that's adorable, but you know what we're going to do is we're just going to walk in our house. We're not going to go out. I'm going to count the steps. I'm going to keep it well below 1.2 kilometers. That's a Pharisee. They're going above and beyond. They're, they're extra. They're morally extra. Now, what's so bad about a morally extra person? You're like, eh, they're just careful. Huh, I appreciate that. Thank you. We live in community with people that are not careful. At least you're being careful. I appreciate that. Wonderful. I'll have you as a neighbor, please. Who wants a, neighbor, who wants a Pharisee for a neighbor? <laughs> you guys stink. <laughs> All of you want a Pharisee for a neighbor. <laughs> Can I say, I meant that in a very affectionate way. Did you get the affection? You didn't get the affection? Okay. <laughs> All right. You can talk back. It's okay. Um, so, so, but this is it, is you don't have to be religious. You don't have to be a Christian person to be a religious Pharisee. And what I mean by that is um, someone can go to their workplace and they can go all Pharisee. And what I mean by that is this, is they look at the standards of a workplace and they're like, all right, if I'm going to get ahead, I am not going to put in the, the company mandated 40 hours per week. I, my good sir, will go 60 hours a week. So you can be a religious Pharisee and not be a Christian and have Phariseeism govern your entire life. So, so check this out, is... 
What's funny is over time in a culture of a company, you guys have seen this happen, is what becomes the new standard over time? Well, HR will tell you it's 40 hours, but everyone knows it's 60 hours. Everyone. What? That morality and religiousness is being foisted upon an entire culture saying, hey, look, if you're really going to do well here, you're going to put in 60 until the new girl or the new guy shows up and says, huh, I've got a little extra time in my week. I am going to put in 70. Do you see the end of Pharisaism? The end of Pharisaism is that you will just exhaust yourself and others out. We saw this in the New Testament, right? This is how pro the Pharisees are. I'm going to be so careful, I'm going to tithe. (laughs) They're counting herb strands like your rosemary. Like I have a hundred strands of rosemary and I'm going to tithe because I'm being careful. I'm being careful. Well, you do that with everything in your house, you're tired. You're tired. I lost my place. I need to stay attached to the, the stand. Paul's saying this, look, I'm a Pharisee. I do better at doing good. I go above and beyond. I do extra. I'm better. Um, Paul's essentially saying, don't try, to, don't try to get devout with me. I can out-devout you. And then he says, as to zeal. Now, what is zeal? Um, let, me, let me describe it this way. He says, as to zeal, I persecuted the church. And this is what he means. Um, a lot of people in a, in a religious, believing community, we're really good with our heads, and we're like, yes, I believe there is one God. Yes, I believe that there is good and there is bad. Yes, I believe I do bad things. Yes, like there's a lot of belief, right? But zeal is this. I have become so enraptured in the conviction that this body of knowledge is true is I am going to start what? And this is the, this is the creepy thing, either about Christianity or any religion. The creepy thing is this, is it starts to matter in all areas of life. So he's saying, look, I, was, I didn't sit on my hands. I didn't just show up. Like I dragged people out of their house. I smoked out the Christians. I found out who they were. I took their property. This is all true stuff historically. Um, I took their property. I had them stoned. Like I killed Christians because I, what, my, what I believed, what I thought I believed was true. Like he's saying this. I was willing to strap C4 to my chest. What, what is that person? First of all, that's frightening. But a little part of us is like, dang. Like you're convicted. Like, you are living a life of conviction. I can throw, I can be mad at you, but whoa, like, you're into it. Like, you believe this, and you're going to put all this footwork behind it. So that's what Paul's saying is, like, I beat you in zeal, too. Like, I'm better at that. What else does he say? He says, "Um, look, you show me anything in in the law, the Torah. You show me any requirement, done it. Check, check, yawn, did it, did it, did it, yep, 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 next. I've done it. Like, I have lived devoutly. 
And, and this is what Paul is telling you and he's telling me is like, if you wanna, if you wanna go toe to toe about pleasing God through action, you're gonna lose. I'm that awesome. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, Paul, you really thought a lot of yourself. Compared to me, you lose. Now, um, uh, this, is kind of, this is kind of cool. Uh, Paul, Paul's talking to us right now, and he can say, objectively, I'm better than you. <laughs> How does that feel? Like, objectively, using metrics that he set up about, like, standards, scriptural standards, objectively, I'm better than you. What? Now, be honest with yourself right now. This is where I want to pause. I want you to look at your carefully constructed life that you have managed to build. And all the horrible things you've been to, you were smart enough and wise enough to avoid. Did you know that you can look at my friend Bill and you can say, I'm better than you. Can you be honest? Because I can, I, I look at him and say, yeah, I'm better than you, Bill. I'm better than you. Uh, that's Paul's point too. If you look at your religious behavior in work, your vocation, schools, PTA, civic care, social, societal acceptance, morals, we can confidently say, you know what? I, I am better off, I am better than the bills of this world. But Paul has some fun ahead for us. Check this out. What is different and offensive about Christianity? This is gonna, this is gonna be offensive. Um, your body of work, the best you on the best day, rocking your best outfit with your best makeup is trash. If we're talking about getting the approval and the love and the forgiveness of God, that's kind of offensive. But Paul goes on. If I'm comparing my body of work to Christ, my body of work actually goes against me and hurts me. If I'm comparing myself to Christ, that's a controversial statement all itself, but he goes on. Um, he says this, um, I'm counting everything in my life, and he says that phrase, everything, all things, pretty much as useless if, if, if I'm comparing it to the knowledge of knowing Christ. That's, we're going to unpack that a little bit later um, next week, so I, I, I'm not going to camp there. Um, but it's strange, and, and we will cover that. And then he explains something. He says, look, you don't understand. I'm actually willing to sit in prison without recanting this whole Christian business because I'd rather have Jesus than my respect, my, my, my scholarly ambitions. Um, my, 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 I'm a movement leader, so... Um, Rather than, rather than have that, I'd rather be in prison. I'd rather, I'd rather be in prison than have my Pharisee jersey hung up in the rafters. 
That's just a basketball joke. You guys get it. Now, you could say this. Oh, um, Paul, but you just played the martyr card on us. Nice, nice. It was sneaky, but you just played the martyr card on us. Right? You're doing time for Jesus, and that's your righteousness. Because you're kind of bragging about that, so you just pulled the martyr card. I'm going through bad, horrible things all, because of Je- all for Jesus, and now he owes me a good turn. And then, I just want this to settle in. What you're about to hear is the most graphic statement that Paul uses anywhere. He says this. I think all of the things that I have done, including the suffering I'm willing to go through for Jesus... I think they're scubalo. What did he say? Scooby-Doo? What? Could, could you, what did you say? Scubalo. Um, my friend Darren was very, very kind to you. And he called it garbage. The ESV is very, very appropriate and calls it rubbish. So they anglicize it a little bit. Oh, wait, wait thank you. Um, Paul's word here is the street term for fecal matter. He's saying, all of my best, all of my suffering, if we're talking righteousness and goodness before a holy God, I think it is the doing of the dogs. It is the dogs doing. It is the do, it is the do do. That's what he's saying. All of the things that you could say to say, I'm better than you, the bills of the world. I'm better than you. Jesus, smile upon me. All of these awesome things. He says, it's doo-doo. That's the most graphic he ever gets. Do you know why? Because he's talking about purity and righteousness and forgiveness. He's like, we can't approach that. Your best stuff can never approach that. Like, that's... This is so offensive to Christianity, but it's like the core of Christianity. You know, the, um, the, the prophet Hosea says it, and he's talking about people, they're in a bad way, and they realize, oh, um, yeah, we've kind of gotten off track, and we need to start being good So they start bustling themselves, just being an energetic, Chris Farley, just whirlwind of good. And you know what, Hosea the prophet, God speaks through him and says, I see you busy with all of your goodness. And he said, it's obscene to me. It's profane. This is why Jesus has such a hard time with Pharisees in the New Testament. It's like whenever we do our good and we bring it to God and say, would you please smile on me with your smile and forgiveness because of my good, it's like we've handed him, you guys know what I'm talking about, a little flimsy green plastic baggie that looks weighted down. Here, sir, I made something for you. Will you love me? That's Hosea. That's Paul. Paul. 
oh, 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 that's offensive. Tim, why did you say that? Because Paul said it and Hosea and the scriptures bleed with it. Okay. But now Paul has a really big problem. <laughs> Do you see it? He just, he just set himself up with a larger problem for himself. He goes, all of my best is doo-doo. <laughs> and now he has a problem. Because if Paul discounts all of the amazing list of who he is and what he's done, he's sort of just morally naked now. See, do you see his problem? It's like this. It's like you and I going to a job interview and, and, and they're rapping with us and they say, okay, this is what I want you to do is I want you to tell me how amazing you are but don't tell me anything you've done. Okay, well, um, okay, thank you. Um, I, I went to school and I learned, no, 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 no. Tell me how awesome you are, but don't point to anything you've done. Okay, um, well, there was this one time I went to, nope, 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 I said, well, I had a job where, nope, 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 nope. Do you see what he, like, what can I appeal to? Well, if you're in this job interview, what are you left with? Um, my dad and mom think I'm pretty great. Anything else, sir? Uh, I got a couple friends that think I'm okay. <laughs> well, tell me about your parents. Tell me about your friends. This isn't the full sense, but, but in that interview illustration, the only thing we have to appeal to is the opinion of another. But it doesn't get to the full sense of what Paul's talking about. Because that's just an opinion. What Paul is talking about is that when you put your weight on Jesus as your good, he does something. It's not just his opinion but he absorbs your filth. And here's the theological term, he imputes, he transfers, he confers his own goodness upon your very being. That's Christianity. See, Paul's problem is just like, I, I, I don't know what to say except faith in Jesus Christ that gives me righteousness. Um, that's what he says, in this, and we're gonna unpack this a little bit next week, but when he says, I want to be found in him, that's what he's talking about. Like, I want to be found in him and not found in Paul. 
Um, to give you an example of this, and, and I've used this illustration before, but some of you have not heard it. So, so act like you've heard it before. Is that lying? No, it's not lying. Um, I, I have a favorite uh, historical black and white photograph. It's from 1996, all the way back in 1996. Um, and, and it's a... Uh, a photo taken by the photographer Mark Brunner, and I think he was with the AP at the time. Uh, and uh, this happened in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, people caught wind of a KKK rally that was going to be held in downtown Ann Arbor, uh, which sounds like a strange place for a KKK rally, but um, they were going to have uh, a rally there, and, and so a lot of Ann Arborites um, said, well, we're going to we're going to have a counter-protest to this despicable KKK rally. And so this huge crowd of counter-protesters show up, and they begin to look for the rally. Uh, they did not find a rally, but um, they did spot a man who looked like he fit at said rally. Confederate flag t-shirt, you know, an SS tattoo. That'll give you away. Um, uh, and so the crowd sees him and points to him, and they start running after this guy. Uh, it scares him, and he trips and tumbles, and then they just get, start to give him a counter-protester beatdown with their signs and their sticks, like poking him and then going to the overarm beating. Uh, Enter into this scene, uh, Kesia Thomas, an 18-year-old young, she's 18 years old, young black woman. She throws her body on top of this unknown dude. And she's taking the blows. She's like, stop it. And then Mark Brunner snaps his epic historical photo. So, um, and there's Kesia there, and, and there's a series of photos, but one of them is Kesia. She has her hand up, fend, fending off the blows intended for KKK dude. And uh, let, me, let me just tell you this. I don't know what was going to happen with KKK dude, but the KKK man was found in Kesia. Like, they were looking for a rat, and they just found him in Kesia. Look, as I get older, and I'm thinking of end-of-life things with my mom, and I, I get a little philosophical. I've gotten philosophical over the past four weeks, and I say, um, I wonder how a life is summed up, either to grandchildren or friends or for posterity. I wonder how a life gets summed up. And, and so I started to do some introspection. I know that's not news to you. Um, and I thought, oh, I wonder what I could, if I were to describe myself, I wonder what things I would point to to say, hey, I lived this worthwhile life and I think I did, I was a big help to people. <laughs> and I felt this impulse in me when I asked this question to start listing Paul bullet points. 
What were they, Tim? <laughs> no, you'd be very un- unimpressed with them. Paul's better. Paul's better. But then I got to thinking more, and you know what? I, I just want my kids to, to, maybe that was thinking of my kids, is I want my kids to say, man, that doofus, he was just found in Jesus. He was just found in Jesus. Like he spent his whole life talking about Jesus. Is it offensive, yes, that you cannot appeal to yourself for the goodness of God? Is that offensive? Yes. But it's wonderful because he covers you and he fends off blows and you can be found in him. Uh, an old Puritan, this is the last thing I say, an old Puritan says this. He says, when you, dis- when you begin to despair of your goodness, you will find Christ. That's good stuff. Let's pray. Jesus, um, may we abandon our best stuff in favor of the very best you. Apply it to our hearts. Amen.